Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, June 13th, 2019. This is Gino Bacola here on the Mike Abadir Show. And I'm going to introduce Mike. Isn't it funny that we're getting set for game six of the NBA Finals just a couple hours away from when we're recording the show? Yet the the NBA talk is, as it always is, not even about the games. It's about the trades, the player movement, what's happening with Anthony Davis, the Lakers, the Celtics, is someone going to go? Everything. It's it's amazing how the, this soap opera that is the NBA just keeps on coming each and every week. There's always something new that pops up. It has to be the most forward-thinking like fan base of any sport, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, it's, it's the only sport where you're thinking about, like, this summer and next summer. Like, always. Always. You know, you're always thinking the summer or two ahead is, is the kind of the funny thing. And, uh, well, and it's to get to the NBA Finals, right? So wouldn't it stand to reason that Toronto and the Warriors should have all the all attention the in the world? But that's not the case, though. And right? actually, so, to be honest, I I think, I don't know, I mean, this is just a... I think that, that that there would have been a deal done already if this wasn't the, the NBA Finals still happening right this second. I think it's one of those instances where even if they may have secured some kind of a deal with the Lakers, with whoever, for Anthony Davis, I think Adam Silver would probably say, hey, we're going to wait till after the Finals till we announce this because I don't want – if they announce that right now, this steals all the, the thunder from the game, you know? Yeah, and plus you also want, you know, some things – to keep the NBA relevant during the off season as exactly. much as possible, right? Exactly. Which is kind of why, like a lot of the sports, they'll have you know they'll give they'll make the Hall of Fame announcements on a certain day, you know, where it kind of gives that buzz. sport a little bit of the limelight, you know, during an MLB off season or something like that, where people are talking about baseball they again or talking football. point on all the shows. Yeah. Throughout the day. So you kind of want to space it out a little bit, I would think, and yeah. that's probably a, a factor in it. And but interestingly now, enough, this is a much better NBA Finals series than I think a majority of the people expected outside of the Toronto fan base. Yeah, it's very intriguing, too, because all the moving pieces, you know, and I I was kind of making a list when I went through. When you look at it, Mike, in the next three weeks, because there's a couple really big dates that are coming up now. It's the, the 20th and the 30th of June, and those are massive dates as far as, okay, free agency, and the NBA draft because there are 15 teams that could be completely different in two, two and a half weeks from now. I'm talking 15, not just like one or two where this could happen or this could happen. You literally go through every single team and every other team could be completely different. It's insane. I mean, you start and you go like the Warriors, they could – Durant now, they don't know what's going to happen with him. Clay's a free agent. DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent also. Toronto, who knows? If Kawhi leaves and they win, they might just start all over and then get rid of Lowry and Gasol and build around uh, you know, Siakam and Anobi and some of their young guys. The Lakers, the Celtics, Philly. Philly's got a couple big free agency decisions to make. Clippers, 
The Knicks, the Pelicans, obviously, with Anthony Davis. The Hornets with Kemba. The Nets with D'Angelo. Now they're in the rumors with uh, with Kyrie. Is Durant going to maybe go there? Houston, we talked about them a few weeks ago. They said you know, they're willing to blow it all up now because they've been here, done it a few years in a row. The Wizards, Beals all over the place. The Grizzlies, they have Conley to offer. That's The whole half of the league could be different in just a few weeks. It's, it's really unlike any sport and kind of any era that I can remember. When it was really like this, and you mentioned that the fans are kind of always thinking ahead and the players are really thinking ahead and really they have, it seems like they have the power, right? To just say, hey, this is where I want to kind of set my life up and, and live happily. Yeah, it sure is kind of transition in, in, into that. And the C, the latest CBA, you know, gives rise to some of that in terms of the player empowerment. And, you know, let's face it, the NBA is the only sport of the professional sports. Well, I guess outside of hockey, but I don't know much about hockey where, you know, one draft, the right player, the right free agent, you know, um, the right two guys maybe coming together as a package really could change the course of a franchise's history. And so... Now yeah, me, you kind of have to be a little bit forward-looking, thinking, right? Because I mean, I don't know how many impact guys there are in this draft. I, I'm none, I suspect you're 100 right. You it know, I suspect like the number has got to be over under seven or eight it's in terms a, of like, just like true hardcore, you know, guaranteed all-star type. And if it's below that or above that, will make I think a, a world of difference in terms of the trades and as well as how does the the following year's draft look and. I think that really is maybe the starting point for a lot of these general managers in terms of do I stockpile picks and and, and shave off salary? Uh, you know what I mean? Because um, the Celtics did that a few years ago. They started stockpiling picks, but then I think they realized, well, I don't know how many impact guys there are in this one. And, that, and they're kind you of know, in a you similar just keep pushing them out to the future. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the same thing this year. They I think they have three first round picks or they have three early picks, and they're saying like we're not we don't want to bring in three rookies. And they're not going to yeah. want to bring in three young players to be completely part of their rotation right now. So they're going to have to make some sort of a move. I heard – I can't quite remember where I was hearing this the other day. But it was very interesting, and it was comparing the contracts in basketball to baseball. And it was just kind of talking about why there's so much more buzz in basketball with the shorter contracts versus baseball. Where you know you have someone like Bryce Harper and some of the best players in the league, they get locked up for eight, 10 years, and you're never wondering in their contracts up next year, are they going to move around there? You know, we talk about how interesting it is with this, the NBA and with all the player movement. And even in the NFL, we have to say in the last couple of years, like the NFL is always a big turnover league in general, because it's just, it's a league that's built differently, you know, but even in the last few years, I remember in free agency last year, we did a show where we're like, wow, listen to all the big names that moved. We, We didn't talk Quite a bit. We we knew that some of them were like you know they they sound sexier than maybe the impact they're going to have. But there are there's a lot of turnover in football too, and just not quite the same in baseball. No, it's not, and that's because the the baseball the players have the most power. They have the strongest union of any of the leagues. And so they, that's why they make the most. That's why the average salary is the highest. That's why the top tier salary, you know, the top 10 guys, you know, in, in baseball versus basketball versus football and the guarantees that are involved and so on and so forth. You know, baseball's union is by far the strongest of any of the pro sports. And that's why it's pro player as much as possible. I always say, you know, 
player movement is a gift that came to the players through a big-time court case involving Kurt Flood of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team back in 1974, and that opened the gates to free agency. And so since then, free agency is exactly what you want. However, it's somewhat meaningless depending on the uh, guaranteed monies that are involved, you know, like in football, right? That player movement isn't quite as established for the player as it is in basketball or as in baseball. So I think the middle ground is you would want it to be more like basketball as a fan because you see that movement, but it's also healthy for the players. In football, it's not so healthy with the players. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to our our first guest about who's going to be coming on in about 15 minutes, Adrian Ross. Any listener of our show knows him as the Mad Backer, very popular former NFL linebacker with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I was going to mention to him this tidbit, and I think you'll find it very interesting too, Gino. So Cam Jordan just signed his an extension, uh, the, the Saints defensive end, with the Saints. In the Sean Payton era, they have signed one first rounder to a third contract. In the entire, and Sean Payton's been there for a long time. One first rounder has achieved a third contract with the team, and that's Cam Jordan. Nobody before him. So think about that for a moment. Even the first rounders. So a good one. The think good about players. all the movement that me, you know, in the NFL. And once again, that's all because they don't have that guaranteed, you know, only a portion of that money is guaranteed. So when you see a seven or eight year deal, it's meaningless because they get cut after years three or four. It's typical. nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing. It's not even. So when they're cut after year three or four or released, or if a team perceives that there's some value, they're obviously not going to release or cut them and try to get some either compensatory pick out of them or, you know, trade them. But that's usually what happens, by the way. A lot of people ask me, hey, if there's 32 teams in the NFL, how come round six and round seven have 50 picks? And that's the answer, by the way. It's because of the compensatory pick. So if you've got one of these guys and he signs somewhere else, you'll actually be awarded with compensation in the form of a draft pick. And they have a formula for how they figure that out. But you make a really good point, man. I think it's more intriguing in basketball. And then you mm-hmm. compound that with the fact that you have five guys on the court at any one time and a bench of seven or whatever. And, and you know, we boom, see everyone you can turn a team around quickly, right? The simple, simple things like you see everyone's face. You know what I mean? Like, you know, oh, yeah. everyone by, oh, yeah. by, by look, you walk down the street, you know, that's that that's Steph Curry. Yep. You know what I mean? Like how many we talked about it before. Most people wouldn't even recognize Mike Trout if they walked right by him. Yeah. Yeah. They, you wouldn't even know who he was. And he's been good for a long time. You imagine like some of the new or up and coming baseball players. You have no clue who it's, sure. what they look like or even a football player. That's not a quarterback. Well, like I was going to really- say, it's even worse than football with the uh, the face masks. Oh, yeah. I was going to say. I, mean, I don't think that there's a single starting center in the NFL that would be recognized walking even down the street. really good defensive players. Yeah. Like a really good defensive end. Oh, yeah. You know, or like a defensive lineman. Or you know, the only ones that you we, we know are the ones that we see when they take their helmet off in a commercial. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like. Because they have an endorsement. Few and far in between. So right. there's, there's running backs, wide receivers, uh, and quarterbacks, and maybe one or two defensive players, like a J.J. Watt, you know, and like that's sure. it. That's Which is it. probably, by the way, no surprise whatsoever no, that, no. that the, that the uh, sponsors, uh, the sponsorship money involved with basketball and soccer are the greatest. Because, like you said, we could see them. We know them. Those are the two sports where we could see them. We can't in hockey, you can't in football, definitely. A little bit more in baseball, but, you know, nothing like soccer or basketball and if you look at the Forbes ranking sheet which just came out 
three, four days ago in terms of the top earners, it's all basketball and soccer players at the top end. You have to get deeper into the page before you get into football and baseball. Let's get into a little bit of baseball right now. Uh, we are about five minutes to the break, so we got plenty of time to uh, to start to dive in. So a couple weeks, I think, since we've like last touched in, in baseball and we're looking in now, the Red Sox just played against a team that they're actually battling with right now. And we, when we spoke uh, a few weeks ago, one of our guests about the uh, the Texas Rangers, we all were a little bit kind of more impressed with the Rangers than we thought. So it's interesting, Mike, With when you look at the Red Sox right now, and obviously there's still a lot of time left, but th- that could legitimately be a team that they either play in a wild card or they're, or they're battling for a wild card. What were your impressions of Texas in the last few games that you saw with, uh, with Boston and Texas? You know, Texas is a, is a solid team, man. I mean, somehow, some way, they, they, they squeeze out a little bit of pitching when needed. I, yeah, it's weird. It's like you know, they, that's, they that's mandated the really it together, thing. you know? Yeah. It is, it's like you scratch your head after, and it's like, how do they get through that nine innings? But they do it. I, sure. And, I mean, look, the Red Sox found a way, this is prior to the Rangers series, to build a little bit of momentum, and they actually went down to uh, Tampa and and swept them. And after that, I'm like, okay, I think they have it together. And uh, a few days before that, I'd, I'd gone out on a limb, and I said, hey, give it three weeks or so, and I think they're going to be right up there with the Yankees in Tampa or overtake them in the standings. And, uh, you know, you uh, you disagreed, and, and I, I pretty much stood my ground with that conviction. And I have to say, I'm pretty disappointed overall because every time you think, okay, there it is. Now, three One weeks from forward, now, I'm be able to back. Yeah, now, now in three weeks, you know, I think my prediction is going to look pretty good because they're going to be, you know, maybe a game and a half out or a game out or maybe tied or on top. And then, boom, they, you know, split a series with a team that they're not supposed to split a yeah. series with, you know. And by and the, the way, numbers. part of my thinking was when you look at it, the Yankees have feasted off of the Orioles yeah, um, and in a big, big way. And the Red Sox will have their chance to do so as well. And you know, you know, so I like think Eno, maybe, when we, when we but I'm going to reserve Eno. my prediction of the overtaking now. Since it didn't happen, well, I'm not going to push it out until September. Because it's just so hard. When yeah. the the key is, is that now, I I, I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I still think that they're better than any other team that will be attempting to to, to get into the wild card. And the the worry is though, you're you just start to get to the point where it's like, man, they're nine games in the loss column behind the Yankees. And then the other problem is. You're not just chasing the Yankees anymore. Now you need two teams to kind of struggle simultaneously in order to get by both of them. So that's the only problem. And that, you know, I saw the same issue with the Dodgers last year. The only difference is, which makes it always so much easier, is the Dodgers had such a more of a margin for error because they didn't have a team in their division as good as either one of these two teams that Boston's chasing. So that's the only difference is that they're hoping that two pretty good teams. Both will will struggle, and everybody struggles. But now you're gonna kind of have to hope it's at the same time when Boston plays well, because it's not easy to make up, you know, eight nine games on decent teams. You know, and there's already seventy games through the season. But I think the last game or two was kind of big because it, you got like the Red Sox almost fell under five hundred. And when you look at the numbers, and when we talk to Eno too, like you look at the numbers, they're better than this. They're better than than the record. They should be at least a few games better than this. 
but it's just one of those things where you feel like all the little kind of intangible things that went well for most of the year last year, they've kind of gone the opposite way for the first 70 games of this year. Like the like little inexplicable things, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it, one thing that's inexplicable is that they're under 500 at home. Yeah. I don't oh, I ever recall a Red Sox team this far into the season being under 500 at home. They're for, actually for two games. Two games. Yeah. They're it's actually two like games above game on the road. Size either, either. You yeah. Know, that's a, yeah, now they did they did make a pretty big turnaround in terms of the run differential because for sure. a while there it was pretty ugly. It was like minus twenty six, pretty you know pretty you know early into May, and uh, now they're in the green, obviously at that plus thirty mark, which always looks good. But I mean, looks better than 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 being on the on the red and the red side of things. But the thing with the Red Sox is this: when you look at the roster, you know you, they have aces, you know number one starters all the way into, you know, their third pitcher. They have Cy Young Award winners, you know, Price and Porcello and Chris Sale, of course. Um, they made a bet that Kimbrel wasn't going to be needed um, and that they could make up for the loss of Kimbrel with the bullpen that they've got. But guess what? They've blown 10 saves this year. Yeah. How good would that look in terms of and, nine games in the loss column that you talked about? Even... Half of those, you know, and, you and Joe Kelly's been awful, and for the Dodgers, so you can't, re- you don't really want to say, well, but he probably wouldn't have hurt. He probably couldn't. He couldn't have even have been this bad for the for the Red Sox. You know what I mean? Like he's no. been really bad. So it's no. just a couple. And, but then when you look on the offensive side, I mean, they got Gold Glovers uh, defensively. They've got team speed. They're they're right up there in, in stolen bases. You know, top two or three in the league. They're one of the top hitting clubs in the league in terms of all the metrics that you want to see. Um, including runs scored. I think they're third in the American League in runs scored. Yeah, so they're uh, like... I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And because that, I think that over time, you're going to see them. I mean, you only need to make up like a game every... One game every 10. What What scares me with them is is that they're the type of team that they get in and they're one of the final... Fo- if they get in and whether it be a win division or they win the wild card and then they win their first game, then none of this matters, right? Like they're the type of team that like when you're playing in a series and they've gotten there, none of this matters. It's kind of how the Dodgers have been through some of their like regular season struggles because you know the way the team is built. It's like a LeBron basketball team, you know? Like that's kind of what I was saying all year with the Lakers. Just like if they get there, you know some of these teams are going to look LeBron in the eye and they're going to blink. And that's sure. what that's what it will be like with the Red Sox too. The only problem is you got to get there. You got to get there when everyone kind of is excited to look at you and see you struggling a little bit right now after you beat up on them last year. You know, you go into any any park and you think you're playing the White Sox, and the White Sox are like, "Hey, you guys beat up on us last year. You're a little down today. Let's like we're gonna take advantage of if you're kick not you while you're down. down. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that you're the reigning champ. So um, it, it'll be a fun conversation. But I think what'll help you is that. After Tampa and New York, you mentioned the other teams you're going to try to battle for a wild card. They're, Texas is overachieved. Are you scared of Cleveland? Not really. And it's really going to come down to them and the A's. So I, I feel like as a Red, if, if the Red Sox can't beat out those group of teams for a final playoff spot, then honestly, they probably didn't deserve to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. By the way, we wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Chicago kind of sneak in. You know, when they kind of show, like, come September 1st. You're right. You know, the teams that are, like, you know, maybe outside looking in, like, seven mm-hmm. games. You're like, should they even be on the list? 
at Chicago, I think is going to be that like team. a good week. Yeah, I think I think Chicago White Sox are going to be that team. They've got a lot of young players, and mm-hmm. they're really starting to figure it out. Too bad that Michael Kopech, Kopech got hurt. He was part of the Chris Sale deal that came over from Boston. That guy's got like 14 Ks per nine inning potential in him. Let's take a commercial break, Gino. I want to ask you about the uh, the hamstring injury to Sager. The guy can't catch a break, unfortunately. But I want to see what your thoughts are on how the Dodgers are going to make do for the next four to six weeks, potentially. And uh, before we get to Dodger talk, we will be visited by the Mad Backer. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play by play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. First guest on the line today, Mike, why don't you introduce the main man? Yeah, we got uh, actually a call coming in from uh, straight from... Uh, Cash Creek up in uh, Northern California where Desmond Bishop's uh, charity golf tournament is going on right now. We're joined by the mad backer himself, former Cincinnati Bengal linebacker, Adrian, the mad backer, Ross, big A. What is good? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Good, man. Good. How, how, How was today's event? Oh, it was fabulous! Yeah, it was it was a fabulous uh, charity charity event. You know, uh, had the uh, had a lot of the Cal Cal Faithful out and Lavelle Hawkins. 
Uh, we had a uh, Super Bowl linebacker Nick Nick Barnett was out here. Uh, nice. Marshawn Lynch's mom and <laughs> company. The Bay was represented. <laughs> nice. Cool. Sounds sounds like a uh, a good event overall. You know, Gino and I were just talking before the break. Um, just kind of about player movement and free agency and how there's so much more excitement, you know, for basketball free agents and the off seasons and what's going to happen this summer and what's going to happen next summer. And you don't really get that with a lot of the other sports. And I kind of tied that in with football because I was really amazed. First of all, Cam Jordan got his uh, extension, uh, New Orleans Saints defensive end, got an extension three years about $18 million per year, so congrats to him. But I was really surprised, and I shared this with Gino. This is the first first-rounder in the Sean Payton era to get a third contract. Isn't that crazy? Wow. The first first-rounder in the Sean Payton era to get a third contract. That's crazy. I never that thought of it like that. I mean... Think, I mean, you didn't Dang. play that long ago, Adrian. You know, how, how has player movement changed in, in your perspective? And, and how do you compare that with, uh, you know, like what we were talking about uh, with the NBA and the excitement that it generates amongst fans that there is a lot of player movement and there's a chance that our team can get, you know, there was LeBron last year. Where's Kawhi Leonard going or whatever? You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, especially up in the other sports, uh, you know, basketball especially, um, you know, a lot of power is going to the players, especially in that league. Football, the players with the last CBA, they didn't get it fully right, you know, and we're running up on another one now. And I think that we're starting to see uh, different different things change because the players are getting smarter and you're seeing teams and owners are having to try to, try to finagle and do it, do it, do it a different way. <laughs> and so, you know, and then we had the, uh, we had the uh, Darrell Revises who, you know, we saw him start to sign the, sign the small contracts. And then he would, he would hop up and hop the teams, the Jets, the Tampa, the back to the Jets, to the Patriots, <laughs> you know, uh, player, players are just getting smarter now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, what happens especially too when you don't have necessarily that guaranteed money and players have smartened up to realize like, okay, why am I even giving this team five to seven years when they're not going to give it to me? You know, I'm only going to probably see three years of it. I'm not going to see all seven. So Darrell Rivas's move was pretty interesting from that perspective. He kind of took a page out of the NBA book, which is, Hey, I want rings. I'm going to shop around and, and go to places where I think I'm either going to win or at a destination like Tampa where I want to live. Definitely an interesting point there right. with uh, many camps going on right now. Wanted to ask you, you know, did you feel that many camps were more an opportunity for you to kind of get reacquainted with new teammates and, and new schemes and things of that nature? Or was it more so an opportunity for the coaching staff to really get a feel for the rookies and where the free agents and everybody else fits in? Yeah, definitely for the younger guys. And then if you have a, you know, a team with a new coach, you know, if it's a new scheme you're putting in, you definitely want to hit the ground running. So you got to get in there and get your team acclimated to the new system but when it's, you know, when it's the same coach and, you know, generally, generally the same makeup, you know, except for a couple of free agent signings here and there, 
I hated mini camps. <laughs> I hated it on defense, you know, because it's like you're not you're not hitting, and and then even when I say not not hitting, I'm just saying that the potential to be hit is a part of the game, you know. So when you have a wide receiver and you and you know you're in full pads and you know, and you have a D-line, and everything's just not seven-on-seven, seven, right? So all these quarterbacks look good, and these running backs and these wide receivers are out there trying to shake. <laughs> they're all trying to shake you because they know they're not going to get hit. And so as a defensive player, I didn't, I didn't like it as much because it, 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 on one end, I think it makes you better because, you know, I always felt that if you could defend them well without the pads on, you know, you'd be able to defend them well with the pads on. So but let's other than talk that, about- you know, we're trying to – we're trying to get up out of town. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, heading into the season this year and maybe a uh, an overall thought or two. Last year and over the last couple of years, we've seen some really, really good young players that look like they could be franchise cornerstones. So maybe out of the uh, some of the few that we saw debut last year between you know Baker, Darnold. Saquon, um, or any of the other young players that can come to mind, who is one that you really, really like and that you think is going to be around and, and have a real big, bright future in this league? Patrick Mahomes. Awesome. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, by, by far. Um, you know, I liked, you know, obviously we see the arm strength, you know, we see the mobility. Uh, we see that he's with a coach that that is innovative and has given him a variance of plays that can fit his ability, you know, and, and he has, he has an ability uh, to be able to throw on the run. Um, and, and, and that's, that's such a great quality. And I felt that they uh, gave him a lot of plays. Uh, my boy, Eric, uh, the enemy out there, you know, the old coordinator, uh, I, you know, he would, he, he, he really stands out, you know, to me. And, uh, you know, I feel I've been looking at them more, I was wondering why they got rid of the pass rushers. I looked, they got rid of D Ford and all that, but then I saw Spag, Spagnolo's the DC over there and, and, and they went to a four, three on defense. So um, they'd be the team that I would look at. That's, that's the player. And uh, that's the offensive side. Now, you know, I don't, I don't know what they've done at corner, if they've done anything. And that's, that's kind of where they haven't been able to hold up at. But um, they can definitely uh, compete and stay in the game by scoring points. But I like that they sign uh, Tyron Matthew, you know, at safety because they've been having the problems with Eric Berry. But uh, yeah, uh, Mahomes would be—he'd be my guy right now. <laughs> and, and you know what I really like about him too? Just uh, obviously, he checks all the boxes on the field. He's incredible. The plays that he can make, but even in off the field. He really carries himself like a leader, kind of like a star. You know, he's got a great personality. He's out there. He's a good-looking guy with a big smile, and he just he seems like right. he gets it. You know, he seems like he just kind of has <clears throat> that it, that it factor all the way around. Exactly. You kind of, as someone who's played, is that is that something as a quarterback that that even helps you? You know, in the locker room or in the huddle, lead a group of guys. Oh, definitely. You know, I mean, you said it, you know, that, that, that's what I always told everybody about Tom Brady. You know, it's like, now this is Brady, the first, the first Super Bowl Brady, you know, and I was kicking in with him in Vegas and uh, I think it was like Tim, Tim Couch or something too. And it just, you know, just, 
what he talk about and how he joke and whatnot. I was just like that, like that dude right there. I just like, I remember telling myself that I was like, okay, you know, like I see how he is, you know, and now, you know, now to see who he is now, but you know, I could see those qualities just how you said, um, that's what you want in a quarterback. And a lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of guys in that position, they don't understand that, you know, and it's just, you know, so, having the athletic ability and having the talent is one thing. Now do you have the mindset and the personality and stuff to lead a team? You know, and so just like you said, you could definitely see that with him. And I think it had to help too that his father was a major league baseball player and he was around athletes, you know, from a very, very young age. You know, there's photos of him in the locker room and just being around the guys and and, and probably getting some tutelage from his father being a big league pitcher i mean that was probably a really good formula for him in terms of an upbringing and you know he probably didn't need the money you know in terms of like he grew up you know uh, upper class or you know middle upper class or you know i don't know how much pat mahomes made in the 80s you know on into the right. uh, 90s or, or, or sorry the 90s into the 2000s but Nonetheless, you know, it's probably a different kind of pressure than somebody who's getting there and has the pressure of his entire family from his grandmother on down to be able to uh, treat them to right. something, you know. And I think all those things kind of come yeah. into play, that socioeconomic side of things, along with the maturity, as long, along with he kind of saw what you needed to be able to, to get to that next level, and he's got a perfect mentor. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that 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 definitely plays plays a big part. Just like you said, I mean, you see the Mannings, um, you know, you see the um, Tyler, uh, uh, Kyler Murray come out. You know, you have uh, you have his dad. You know, so you're 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 exactly right there. You know, like I mean, my dad was a former player and whatnot. So just the makeup and the things that I was brought up in was just different. You know, like like the approach to the game was just way different, and I didn't know it at the time. But yeah, when I got there, I I knew the game to a to a different level, and you could tell that he fully gets it. And yeah, you're right. Like that's 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 probably definitely a big reason of it. Okay, talking so before, to Adrian Ross, the Mad Backer. I was gonna say before before we get any farther, I wanted to get a prediction because we're coming up on on the NBA Finals game in about an hour, hour and a half. And I know you like some NBA too. So I want to shift the, the topic for just a second. We know Durant's out. Just a total bummer for, with that injury. He came back. He wanted to try to help them. To He tried to, wanted to try to help them, um, you know, win it all. And, and he unfortunately, he's going to have to miss all of next year now with that ruptured Achilles. But what do you think is going to happen? Game six, is, is Golden State going to be able to win, force a game seven? Are they going to come back? Did Toronto blow the chance or... Is it just going to be too much for Golden State? I think they blew the chance. I you know, I, I I I thought that uh, Toronto had it had it done, but I think that they blew the chance. Now you know you have the defending champs. They get to go back, you know, and have a game six at home to be able to take it to a game seven. Um, you know, and then uh, Clay's you know Clay Clay's back, so now Curry. Um, and then now everything's set, you know, like they're able to go and they don't have to worry about, you know, will he might come back and can he come back and all this. It's, you know, that, backs against huge, the wall. And I'm I think glad you, you got, that. you know. I, I just I, don't think enough people were talking about that uncertainty. You know, they they kept kind of not even that they needed him, but it's just when you don't know you're expecting, is he going to play this game? Is he not? And e- even from from just a 
a game plan strategy, how are we going to play standpoint, you know, bringing Durant into the game, that changes a lot of how you're going to play on the court, you know, and just in general. So Definitely. it probably was a little confusing. Oh, yeah. I mean, just, just like you say, to have that uncertainty to not know, and okay, if he is, if he isn't, I mean, you know, just you saw the game when Clay was out, and you just saw, you could see how tired Curry was. You know, it it just it, you know, it looks good. You know, in those in those forty five, I think I think he scored forty five. Yeah. But you could just see at the end how he was just okay. That was on the offensive end. Now you got to keep you know for you to get offense, you got to be out there for defense. And and at Toronto was just able to stay, stay that much. You know, they were able to keep that <laughs> keep that lead right there enough. They had they had they didn't have necessarily have as much firepower offensively, but. They had they had enough team and ball movement, and they made them run around the court. And Lowry was making the extra pass. It kind of reminds me of a couple of years ago. I guess maybe about now, four years ago, when the Clippers were playing the uh, the Rockets, and they were up three games to one, and they were up by like twenty or twenty plus. And they the, the closed out bench. game. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. And and it was the closeout game. And then remember, guys, they blew that huge lead. And I knew right then and there, you, you know, this clipping. isn't like one of those things where, eh, you know, we're up three to one. We gave up a game. No big deal. We're going to close them out. No, I knew right then and there they were toast. And I kind of have that same feeling about Toronto. I hope I'm wrong because yeah, I'd like that's, to see that's, Toronto. That's, that's what know, I'm feeling. Yeah, I'd like to see Toronto win, but I just think you can't do that when, with, the, with the champs. You're up and, by six uh, with two minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have can't. to put that game away. You, you know, Kawhi had just scored 10 consecutive points. He was taking the game over, and the ball kind of it, it went away from him, I think, one or two times in a row. And then you get a, a little bit of a turnover. And now it's like, just like you mentioned, AD2, like now it's in their head a little bit. Remember, besides Kawhi, this is a group of players that's always kind of had this stigma that they weren't able to close things right. out. And so, you know, if, if, yeah. he's, if he's not right. playing at another level and carrying them, are we going to see them start to to remember the past years and, and feel a little tighter now there with the pressure go. on? Yeah, I mean, because it, cause it, from, from 103 to 100, and then you don't get a shot off and you just pass the ball into the backcourt and you don't even get a shot off, that, 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 that was the game right there. But I, like, I didn't understand, you know, and that's that kind of just plan, plan, plan not to lose the game instead of playing yes. to win the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to run the clock down in and, oh, backcourt. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? They did all that to not get a shot off? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally, was, totally crazy, agree with you yeah. there. I think they're in trouble, man. But, hey, before we, um, before we let you go and we're up against a commercial here, anything that you're working on during this summer that uh, you want to share with us? I know in the past you've done some uh, pretty cool stuff in terms of man. You need to bring back that Mad Backer uh, celebrity basketball game. Man, man I'm telling that's you, Gino, what, he used to have like, Mark and all Cuban the boys would over here with this saying. thing in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah legit. <laughs> Nothing right now. I think I'm thinking of uh, whipping up a uh, whipping up a pool party in Vegas. You know, I think it's about time to bring it back to Vegas one time. I think we'll have to so, go to that uh, one, Mike. I, I might we'll have, have to that, to that in the works. So I'll yes, definitely let you guys know. The last NFL party he had uh, at the at the Playboy Mansion was still when he was around, and uh, that was a night I'll never forget. 
Adrian, always great to have you on with us, my man. We'll uh, we'll have to link up with you in Vegas for that pool party and um, bring you back on talk a little bit NFL as the season uh, draws near. Thanks, AD. Definitely, definitely. Thanks, All right, appreciate you guys. Appreciate it, man. Say All hello right. to everybody over there right, at the uh, golf tournament. Have some fun. That is the Mad Backer, Adrian Ross. We will take our final commercial break and come back and resume the conversation. A little bit about the Belmont Stakes, the Dodgers, and more. Stay with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Big thanks to the mad backer there, Adrian Ross. Great insight. Always interesting to pick his brain. I love talking to... The players who have been in the huddles before, you know, and and the quarterback question was the one that I was like, most curious about. And that you can just see, like Mahomes looks like one of those looks like someone that you'd like to hang out with, right? He just feels like someone who you you want you want to go have a beer with, and and that's I think a lot of the time the guy who it makes the best quarterback, whether it it should be that way or not. Like that's a lot of what being the leader is, you know. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. I wonder, it, it, you know, I was. I've always thought about this and it kind of like light bulb turned on as I was talking about, you know, Mahomes and his father, Pat and stuff like that. And it would be interesting to see if you went back and looked at the, all the quarterbacks that are currently in the league and, and maybe the ones over the last like 10 years, you know, uh, just to be able to bring in guys like Peyton Manning into the conversation. How many of those guys needed the money? 
You're you know, not, you're right. And That's I, another, I wonder if there's something to that when you like a, at, you a know, no pressure type thing. Yeah, like or not a Manning's. no pressure, but some. I mean, and, yeah. and sometimes it's the opposite. When your dad is a star, there's all the pressure in the world, right? But when you're good, there's there maybe there's not as much pressure. Like yeah, when, like when you're talented exactly. and you know, like you're, you're going to have. Um, more options, more and it's not necessarily only like if your father played pro sports. Sure. Like uh, Russell Wilson, I don't remember what his dad did, but just uh, athletically. Wealthy. But I know he, Someone but like I know Matt he had was like that, you know, in college. And there's a lot of you get a lot of them at USC that way too, you know that I that I follow because a lot of the families are very wealthy and the kids they go in and they want to be pros, but they don't need that money. Sure, and even by know. the way, if you look at like Cam Newton. You know, just based on the, the the what I've heard, and you know, his father putting him in traveling teams and stuff like that. You know, he wasn't poor, yes. right? And so I ha- I just wonder if there's something to that or not. Maybe maybe the one day we'll like a little socioeconomic study. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and it's real. Before we head in, we'll talk a little bit. It's like, which it's amazing when your team is struggling, as we just talked about. You look up and it's four to one, and Boston's down at the end of the first inning. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. It's like when you're when you're struggling and you're going through a bad streak hitting, it's like you're it's zero and two every time you get up. You know, yeah. well, you I have the game on. on. Yeah, I have the game on, on like, uh, uh, one of the TVs in the background over here, and he's just missing his location. He's like, not locating oh, his pitching pitches. And it's crazy it, when it, yeah. it's just and, you know, and then it'll turn for a week or two and everything will go the, the other way. But it's like when it goes bad, and and baseball is different because it's like it's such a weird game. It's like all these things that start happening that shouldn't be happening. And it feels like you're in quicksand and you're never going to get out of it. And it's like, man, you lose like three or four games or you have a bad week. And it's like, you, it just doesn't feel like it will ever turn. It's, it's really bizarre. And yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, just, just, just to go through the first inning really, really quickly. First player of the game, Chu, uh, hit by pitch. Next player, DeShields, walks him. Oh, then doesn't good. locate his pitch to Elvis Andrews, drives, drives in one. Next pitcher, next uh, batter, Pence. Uh, he gets a, rips a double, right? Yeah, then he finally gets an out, and then he gets another out. So now he's got two outs, and he's facing Logan Forsythe. Not net, not necessarily a you know a a game killer uh, uh, with a stick, and gives up a two run single, two oh. out RBI to Forsythe. Boom! Before you know, it, four runs are on the board, and uh, you know in the yeah. bottom half, JD Martinez hit his thirteenth. To get them on the yeah, sport. the offense uh, is just—it's not the problem for Boston. You know, most of the time, it's—it's it's just like you said, it—you know—the bullpen a little bit and just in spot. It seems like it's just spotty, spotty, spotty. Very, very inconsistent. Uh, over in the National League, the Dodgers have been playing really good baseball for the most part, but it's been—you know—the same. I think kind of story we we spoke about with with Eno even last week. It's really going to be for them their bullpen and uh, and how their bullpen can hold up. Right now, they're gonna have to hope that their lineup can hold up. They have, you know, a nine game, nine and a half game advantage in in the West, and so they would need a really bad collapse, or they'd really need a bad month or two in order to make this division a race. But losing Seager again hurts. Although the the information I've just seen and like the latest reports are that it's not the worst. It's not as bad as they maybe initially even thought. And that they're hoping about a month. And what's nice about this, Mike, when you have this kind of a cushion and you have the versatility the Dodgers have, they don't have to rush him at all. But no. It's, so it's, who do you plug in then? Is it Chris Taylor or uh... a combination of Chris Taylor and Kiki? Okay. Yeah. You just you just uh, have those two, and then you you mix. And how much of a drop like off is that glove wise? 
defensively, Kiki, it, it might be better. It's it might be equal. It's it's only where they lose it offensively. It's in particular because Seager was just starting to really hit the ball again. Like in the last two weeks, yep. he was his numbers were really. I feel bad for the guy, climbing. man. It I just, feel bad for all, him. Like almost all of last year, and he's had these injury issues, and he's one of those players that you forget about how good he is because it's an out of sight, out of mind thing, you know. Yeah, and I mean, this is this is like a rookie of the year could have a, a be a perennial all star type guy to just uh, hasn't had uh, the fortune of being able to stay on the field, no, you I, know. But he was doing pretty well with the stick. You know, almost double-digit home runs. Been driving in a lot of runs, scoring a lot of runs. He hits lefties you know? very well too for a lefty. Solid, which is, yeah, you know, solid and, war. Go, you know, going into this injury, so and, uh, probably no, the third or fourth stop. best war on to the keep, team. Like the, the key point that you were making is what kind of a drop up it is going to be a de- uh, defensively. It, it won't be that much of a difference defensively either way. They're all pretty comparable. I'd say Kiki's probably the better one of them. Like, Taylor's not bad either. But just from an offensive standpoint, to get that type of production, you know, from your shortstop. Now, there are now we're in a golden age of shortstops nowadays. There are a lot more really good shortstops than there were maybe even just like 10 years ago, five years ago. But when you get that type of production, it makes the rest of your lineup really easy to kind of fill in, right? Because you know you're going to get some production from Bellinger, from Muncy, from from the outfield spots, from the from first base, from third base, from Turner. So then you know it's it's like ah, that's just another like easy spot to fill into the lineup anywhere in the two through five spot every single day. Sure, and, and Kiki, right? by the way, his to his credit, he's hit a lot of home runs and he's driven in a lot of runs. It just with him and Taylor, it's the same problem. That low batting batting average, you know, really really hurts. So and, I, I'd be interested to see. You know, it's, kind of what Doc does with the lineup to make sure that uh, Bellinger is able to, you know, he's obviously had, you're not going to hit 400 all year. No. And you're going to get uh, hit your slumps. But the one thing that you want to make sure is that you got protection for all the guys top to bottom. And, you know, they'll make you, a move have, or two. There, yeah, when you've got Justin Turner there, uh, you know, kind of finding his home run stroke again, it took him a mm-hmm. while. You know, that's always a good sign. Uh, Jock Peterson is probably one of the more streaky players I've ever seen. Ever, you know, he's one of those guys that he'll have like a 270 batting average. You blink your eye and is down it's to 230, <laughs> and, then, and then before you know it again, he's back got right like a, he's back to the home run leaders, or, you know, second yeah. in the league or whatever. And you're like, wow, like he just gets everything in bunches. Um, I, I think some of that must have to do with the fact that he's in and out of the lineup. Yeah, so it is. Much. It's got to be tough for him to get kind of um, a rhythm. And to get to get a good flow, so yeah, yeah we'll see. How about the ageless wonder though? David Freeze doesn't seem like he ever it, uh, loses it, his perfect, baseball ability. It's a perfect spot for him because they don't ask anything more of him than what he than what he can provide right now, and that's just an excellent leader, really good. You know, maybe one or once every four games in the lineup, and a great pinch hitter, and sure. that's what Dude, he you know wants. he has that's got the second highest OPS on the team. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all he wanted. His on-base percentage is incredible, too. Sure. He just wanted to be in a spot where he was playing to win, and he can contribute like this, and he comes in in big moments, and he does. You know, he helps his team so much, and they love him there. You know, the young guy, a lot of the young guys, they love him. And it's, uh, to be honest, right now so far, it's been, the Dodgers have been playing well. Um, the National League, it's it's 
it's kind of a boring National League, I think. It's not the American League is a little more interesting so far. The Dodgers have a pretty big advantage early on, so we'll see how that can continue. And like I said, I think they make a move or two for at least the bullpen piece, or maybe just another like utility type player that they can have some versatility and and help them fill in for a little bit. Yeah, Mike, and you know what? By the way, I've, I've really enjoyed the fact that we're starting to see teams make moves. And I know that there was once, once Kimbrell came off the board or Keiko, whichever one happened first, we knew that both were going to be gone right around the same week. They're both going to have short stints down in the minors to tune up their game and then be called up. I think those were really big moves. I think it was a huge move by the Phillies to trade for Bruce. And they did that by the way, before McCutcheon got hurt. Yeah. And then he got hurt, I think, the first night that Bruce was in the Phillies lineup. So that was almost prophetic. You know, thank God for any Philly fan that they uh, at least got a home run hitter, you know, to, to, to kind of take up for McCutcheon's place. And he was very productive this year. He kind of looked a lot more like the McCutcheon of old there in Philadelphia. So that's kind of too bad. But uh, I think to speak to your point about the Dodgers making a move, I think we're kind of in an era. You're talking about eras in terms of, movement in the NBA world, I think we're in an era where we see a lot more trades, either for small pieces or larger pieces throughout this season, all the way up until the trade deadline and even beyond. So I expect the Dodgers to make a move because they always do. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they, and they're, they are a team that um, prides themselves in versatility and, you know, and using now this year, their starters have been stronger. They've gone to the bullpen a lot more in the last couple of years, but they just are a versatile team. So sure. hopefully, hopefully they'll add a piece or two. Let's get some quick thoughts on the U.S. women. World Cup start. I know you're a big soccer fan. So am I. All, everyone has played at least one game all the way through now. The U.S. women are the favorite. And of the 24 teams in the World Cup, they played the 24th likeliest winner in round one in the in the first game. So they are the favorite. The, the most likely winner, they played against the least likely winner. The result, 13 to nothing, Mike. Uh, do you have a problem with uh, supposedly no. running up the score? I, it, not the score. I don't have a problem with it at all because, remember, this is about goal differential, especially in this part of the tournament. And two, the, the only thing I heard people say that I can sort of agree with was once it's up to the 8 and 9 and 10 and they're still celebrating, that kind of left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. But we got to remember – this is the World Cup. This isn't some exhibition. These women have worked their entire lives for this moment. If you're not allowed to celebrate scoring a goal in the World Cup, when are you? Like, it has to be the World Cup semifinal. Then you can celebrate. Yeah. You know, Look, that's a great, great point because you're not guaranteed any games after this round. So even when, like, subs come in, look, if that's I'm a sub and I made, I, made, I, made, I made this team and my parents flew out to see this game, I'm going to do my damnedest to score regardless of what the situation is scoreboard wise. If we're up by a lot, I don't care. I want to get my foot on the ball. I want to put that ball in the net. That's the bottom line for me. Hey, before we uh, uh, close out here, just wanted to get a quick thought from you on Sir Winston's effort uh, last Saturday Great in the ride. Belmont State. Great ride. And Rosario, vintage Rosario hard. there. And then and you watched the moment when he shifted out. And and in, in the very same and kind of the opposite wasn't the best ride on Tacitus. Wanted to try to keep him in the clear, but the way that that racetrack was playing all day long, everything inside and what uh, was where you wanted to be. Anytime you were on the outside, you were in some trouble. So I think what we no- we we noticed is it's hard to say right now, but it didn't look like the strongest crop. 
maybe that was because Omaha Beach, one of the better horses, was scratched right away. We only saw a game winner run in one of the races. You know, he's going to be coming back soon. So, we'll, you know, I think and we'll we did see not see maximum security who we will see this Sunday. Saturday in a prep. Was a Sunday? Excuse me. Okay, in the prep race for the Haskell, he yep. will be in the Pegasus, not the big Pegasus guys, the hundred fifty thousand yeah, dollar little Pegasus. Yeah, Pegasus mini Pegasus brother. at Monmouth Park. So. Um, that'll be interesting to see who Baffert sends out because I know he always likes to uh, take down the Haskell trophy. So we'll see if he's got a contender to be able to match up with maximum security. But in this race this weekend, he is labeled as the one to two morning line favorite. That's all the time we have, though, Gino, this week. We'll have a lot more to talk about next week. More World Cup, maximum security, baseball and more. Thanks for listening, everyone. Same place, same same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.